Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom and in this episode I'm going to be talking to you about anemia in children. And if you want to follow along with written notes on this topic, you can follow along in the hematology section of the Zero to Finals website or the Zero to Finals pediatrics book. So let's get straight into it. Anemia is defined as a low level of hemoglobin in the blood. This is the result of an underlying disease and is not a disease in itself. The prefix an means without and the suffix emia refers to blood. Hemoglobin is a protein found in red blood cells. It's responsible for picking up oxygen in the lungs and transporting it to the cells of the body. Iron is an essential ingredient in creating hemoglobin and forms part of the structure of the molecule. When a patient has a low level of hemoglobin, they have a condition called anemia. When you find an anemic patient, you should check the mean cell volume, or MCV. This is the size of the red blood cells, and it gives you an indication of the underlying cause of the anemia. The normal ranges for hemoglobin are determined by the local hematology lab. This will depend on the age of the child. The normal hemoglobin levels will vary significantly for the first six months of life as the child transitions from fetal to adult hemoglobin and adapts to taking oxygen from the air rather than from the placenta. The normal values are different for males and females after puberty, mainly due to menstruation causing regular blood loss in females. Let's go through some of the rough normal values of children across their age ranges. This should not be used as a reference and is simply to give an impression of how the levels change with age. At birth, the expected hemoglobin is somewhere between 150 to 235 grams per litre. When the neonate gets to 2 to 4 weeks of age, this will be 135 to 190. At 4 to 8 weeks, it's 95 to 130. At 2 months to 6 years, it's about 110 to 140. From 6 to 12 years, it's 115 to 155. And in females aged 12 and above, it's 120 to 160. And for males aged 12 and above, it's 130 to 160. Let's talk about the causes of anemia in infancy. Physiologic anemia of infancy causes most cases of anemia in infancy, and we'll talk about this in more detail shortly. The other causes of anemia in infancy are anemia of prematurity, blood loss, hemolysis, and twin-twin transfusion where blood is unequally distributed between twins that share a placenta. Hemolysis is where the red blood cells are being destroyed and broken down, and this is a common cause of anemia in infancy. There are a number of causes of the hemolysis in a neonate, and these are hemolytic disease of the newborn due to ABO or rhesus incompatibility, hereditary spherocytosis, and G6PD deficiency. Let's talk in more detail about physiologic anemia of infancy. There's a normal dip in haemoglobin around 6 to 9 weeks of age in healthy term babies. The high oxygen delivery to the tissues that relates to the high haemoglobin at birth causes negative feedback on the mechanisms 
that cause the production of hemoglobin. Production of erythropoietin by the kidneys is suppressed and therefore there's a reduced production of hemoglobin and reduced production of red blood cells by the bone marrow. Basically, the high oxygen level results in lower hemoglobin production. As the hemoglobin level drops, the production of hemoglobin and red blood cells ramps back up and things level out to normal. Let's talk about anemia of prematurity. Premature neonates are much more likely to become significantly anemic during the first few weeks of life compared with term neonates. The more premature the infant is, the more likely they are to require one or more transfusions for the anemia. This becomes more likely if they are unwell at birth, particularly with neonatal sepsis. Premature neonates become anemic for a number of reasons. They spend less time in utero, receiving iron from the mother. Red blood cell creation can't keep up with the rapid growth in the first few weeks of life. There's reduced erythropoietin levels. And blood tests that occur in premature neonates remove a significant portion of the circulating volume, contributing to the anemia. Next, let's talk about hemolytic disease of the newborn. Hemolytic disease of the newborn is a cause of hemolysis, which is red blood cells breaking down. It's also a cause of jaundice in the neonate. It's caused by incompatibility between the rhesus antigens on the surface of the red blood cells of the mother and the fetus. The rhesus antigens on the red blood cells vary between individuals. And this is different to the ABO blood group system. There are many different types of rhesus antigen that can be present or absent depending on the person's blood type. The most important antigen within the rhesus blood group system is the rhesus D antigen. When a mother that's rhesus D negative, meaning they don't have the rhesus D antigen on their red blood cells, becomes pregnant, we have to consider the possibility that the fetus will be rhesus D positive, meaning that the fetus has the rhesus D antigen on their red blood cells. It's likely at some point during the pregnancy, the blood of the fetus will find its way into the mother's bloodstream. When this happens, the fetal red blood cells display the rhesus D antigen. The mother's immune system will recognize the rhesus D antigen as foreign and produce antibodies against this rhesus D antigen. This means the mother has become sensitized to the rhesus D antigen, meaning that the next time she comes into contact with that antigen, her immune system will be activated to fight off the associated cells as though they were a pathogen. Usually this sensitization process does not cause any trouble during the first pregnancy unless the sensitization happens early on, such as during an antepartum hemorrhage. During subsequent pregnancies, the mother's anti-D antibodies can cross the placenta into the fetus. When that fetus is rhesus positive, these antibodies attach themselves to the red blood cells of the fetus and cause the immune system of the fetus to attack its own red blood cells. This leads to hemolysis, with the red blood cells being destroyed, causing anemia and high bilirubin levels. This leads to a condition called hemolytic disease of the newborn. A direct Coombs test, or DCT, can be used to check for immune hemolytic anemia, 
and this will be positive in hemolytic disease of the newborn. Let's talk about the causes of anemia in older children. The key causes of anemia in older children are iron deficiency anemia, secondary to dietary iron deficiency. This is the most common cause overall. Blood loss, most frequently from menstruation in older girls. And rarer causes of anemia in children include sickle cell anemia, thalassemia, leukemia, hereditary spherocytosis, hereditary elliptocytosis, and sideroblastic anemia. Worldwide, a common cause of blood loss causing chronic anemia and iron deficiency is helminth infection with roundworms, hookworms, or whipworms. This can be very common in developing countries and those living in poverty. It's unusual in the UK. Treatment is with a single dose of albendazole or mebendazole. Let's talk more about categorizing anemia. Anemia is initially subdivided into three main categories based on the size of the red blood cell, or the MCV. These have different underlying causes. Microcytic anemia is where there's a low MCV, indicating small red blood cells. Normocytic anemia is where there's a normal MCV, indicating normal-sized red blood cells. And macrocytic anemia is where there's a large MCV, indicating large red blood cells. A helpful mnemonic for remembering the causes of a microcytic anemia is TAILS. T stands for thalassemia, A stands for anemia of chronic disease, I stands for iron deficiency anemia, L stands for lead poisoning, and S stands for sideroblastic anemia. The causes of a normocytic anemia can be remembered with the three A's and the two H's. Acute blood loss, anemia of chronic disease, aplastic anemia, hemolytic anemia, and hypothyroidism. Macrocytic anemia can be megaloblastic or normoblastic. Megaloblastic anemia is the result of impaired DNA synthesis preventing the cell from dividing normally. Rather than dividing, it keeps growing into a large abnormal cell, and this is caused by vitamin deficiency. Megaloblastic anemia is caused by B12 deficiency or folate deficiency. Normoblastic macrocytic anemia, where there's normal but large red blood cells, is caused by alcohol, reticulocytosis, where there's a large number of reticulocytes, which is usually the result of hemolytic anemia or acute blood loss, hypothyroidism, liver disease, and medications such as azathioprine. So how does anemia present? Well, there are many generic symptoms of anemia, and these include tiredness, shortness of breath, headaches, dizziness, palpitations, and worsening of other conditions such as heart failure. There are also symptoms that are specific to iron deficiency anemia. Pika describes dietary cravings for abnormal things such as dirt, and this signifies iron deficiency anemia. Hair loss can also indicate iron deficiency anemia. So when you examine a child with anemia, what signs might you see? Well, firstly, there are generic signs of anemia, 
And these are things like pale skin, conjunctival pallor, tachycardia or a fast heart rate, and a raised respiratory rate. There are some signs that are specific to the causes of the anemia. Coilonychia refers to spoon-shaped nails, and this can indicate iron deficiency. Angular chelitis is inflammation at the corners of the mouth, which can indicate iron deficiency. Atrophic glossitis is a smooth tongue due to atrophy of the papilla, and this can indicate iron deficiency. Brittle hair and brittle nails can indicate iron deficiency. Jaundice occurs with hemolytic anemia. And bone deformities can occur in thalassemia. So how would you investigate anemia? The initial investigations you would do when you suspect anemia is a full blood count for hemoglobin and the mean cell volume, a blood film, reticulocyte count, A raised reticulocyte count can indicate there's a high production of new red blood cells, which may occur in hemolytic anemia or acute blood loss. A low reticulocyte count may indicate there's a reduced production of red blood cells, such as in aplastic anemia or bone marrow failure. Check the serum ferritin, which may be low in iron deficiency. Check the B12 and the folate for vitamin deficiencies. Check the bilirubin, which will be raised in hemolysis. Check a direct Coombs test, which is positive in autoimmune hemolytic anemia. And check a hemoglobin electrophoresis for hemoglobinopathies such as thalassemia and sickle cell anemia. It's worth noting reticulocytes are immature red blood cells. A high level of reticulocytes in the blood indicates active production of red blood cells to replace the lost cells. A high level of reticulocytes usually indicates the anemia is due to hemolysis or acute blood loss. Further investigations for the anemia will depend on the suspected underlying cause. Finally, let's talk about management. Management of anemia depends on establishing the underlying cause and directing treatment accordingly. Iron deficiency can be treated with iron supplements. Severe anemia may require a blood transfusion. So thanks for listening to this episode on anemia in children. A big thank you to Harry Watchman for perfectly editing this podcast. You can find plenty of other resources on the Zero to Finals website at zerodefinals.com. And don't forget to tune into the next episode where we'll talk in more detail about iron deficiency anemia.